0: But that's just showing the show in the beginning, or I'm actually on. you on, buddy. Hello. Hello, Malden 02148. I'm your host this evening, Ed Lucy, And my guest is Robert Nock, Robert Bobby Knox. That's it,
1: yeah. And for those that don't
0: know it, Bobby is?
1: Public Works Director of the City of Malden. You're right. Thank uh, you for having me, Ed.
0: Well, you look, I was just saying before we came on the air that you look well-rested for someone's gone through a storm.
1: Uh, Yeah, well, you know, it takes a little bit to recover, but uh, the men and women of the department have been working hard. In the last few days, I've been able to actually get some sleep, so I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. Now, now, um, how long have you been affiliated with the DPW? So this is my 28th year uh, in the DPW, so... uh, just had my 53rd birthday, so I've been here for a while. For a while. Yeah. A, yeah um,
0: in terms of storms, um, what year uh, was the worst storm that you had to
1: deal with as a director? As a director of this, I mean, through all my years here, uh, the 97 April Fool storm was a pretty tough one, but I wasn't the director then. But this storm was pretty difficult, and I'll tell you what, what, why it was difficult. This year after the coronavirus, there's, uh, you know, less contractors available. So a storm of this size, normally I would have more pieces of equipment out there, but that wasn't the case. As you see with most city and towns in the state, everyone's looking for workers. So shortness of uh, of, of contractual help. So um, that made it a little difficult, and it was, a, it was a lot of snow, two feet of snow. So this storm was right up there as one of the worst in my career.
0: Yeah. For some reason, in in my own mind, and maybe some of the background (laughs) is that they forewarned us for at least five days ahead of time. And uh, we had also, uh, prior to this storm warnings of prior storms this winter, although they didn't really materialize. It was like the k- the kid called him wolf, and then when it was actually was a wolf, there was nobody came to help him. But uh, that obviously is sometimes determined by weather conditions that can make a difference in terms of ultimately where the storm goes. But um, we had so much time to prepare. Uh, uh, again, I was on uh, uh, isolated in some ways because I stayed home pretty much through the storm. But... I almost didn't get the same sense that there was as much critical problems as in other years, and I guess, except you alluded to that, uh, there was not only in terms of Malden, but the the concern about the lack of, of private contractors.
1: Yeah, correct. That's that's a that's a big concern because, obviously, with a storm of this size, we don't have and would never have enough um, internal staff to handle it. We we depend greatly on a big storm on, on subcontractors to assist us, and they're just not available. Uh, it's not a Malvern thing. It's, it's just, you know, we're the direction that we're going, and so that's, that's a challenge. The worst year for storms, I will say, is 2015, that year with all the back-to-back storms. So far as a single storm, this was pretty, uh, a pretty good storm, but the, the good part about it was, like, different than 15. We had a storm like this, and two days later another storm, uh, so you got nowhere to put the snow. So um, there's, there's been a lot of, lot of tough, uh, heavy storms in the years, but I do like when they, when they call wolf and we don't get it. That definitely helps.
0: But <laughs> yeah. well, speaking of taking the stone. <clears throat> Currently, we have snow banks. Do we still move the snow off the streets sometimes, like in downtown?
1: So so depending on the storm, what the temperatures to follow are, what's coming up in the upcoming forecast, if there's another storm to follow. In this particular case, we've made some parking spots and removed some snow from different areas, but we have a little warm-up here today, and then tomorrow is supposed to be close to 50 with some rain, so... We're hoping on a little bit of uh, a little bit of combination of both, some removal, some melting, and there's no real big storm coming up in, in the upcoming forecast, so, um, you know, time will heal some of the wounds, but uh, we, we're not doing a full snow removal like in some years. It depends on a lot of things, temperature and everything else. You mentioned storm
0: after storm. That and that's really where uh, life gets complicated for the DPW.
1: We're expecting a storm this weekend. Yeah, not a lot of a lot of uh, accumulation, but a, a rain, snow, sleet, mixed event. You know, two to three inches uh, of accumulation, but. Uh not, not one of these like this with two feet. That makes things a little different.
0: Well, in fact, it's, it's really a record, isn't it, so, for quite a, uh, quite a bit of the area of Massachusetts? Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a top ten, definitely. Yeah, it's a top yeah. ten for the amount of snow um, for Massachusetts, so uh, it was a good one. Yeah. For, for the people that uh, don't pay too much attention to the weather, <laughs>
0: I had a friend of mine call me who lives down the Cape, and uh, they had it far worse than we did, and someone else I, I, I know live in um, uh, Marshville, and uh, the, the winds there were like 50 miles an hour, and it was even more than that down the Cape, and that, of course, creates additional problems. Of course, the, the Cape, in many instances, is a relatively small town, so they, it isn't as if they get a lot of equipment, they get, and they have a lot more area sometimes than Massachusetts does, and particularly Maldon and... and that's an advantage in one way because you can keep the cars off the road, but right you know, on uh, in Malden, that's a. That, uh, do they know? Do they have to do much towing in Malden because of the the problem?
1: I think on this storm we did a really good job of getting the notice out early. We put the parking band on. Uh, the day before the snow was going to come. So people had a lot of notice. So I don't think that we towed as many cars as I expected we would because people kind of followed what they were told to do. So obviously there was, there's some that you always tow, but I think the advance notice really helped on this one. We got a lot of cars off the street um, on their own. Yeah. So that that definitely helped. But with when you speak about the wind, the wind and the drifts, you know, uh, definitely challenging. I had to have a tree contractor here um, working because uh, they were saying 50 to 70 mile an hour gust of winds. Fortunately, we didn't have any tree damage, but you have to be prepared because uh, if something does come.
0: Yeah. Uh, you've been director how long?
1: Uh, I want to say it's nine years. And before that, I was the assistant for nine years, and I've been here a total of 28 years. Right, and you get nine years to go. Now maybe maybe yeah. less. We'll see. <laughs> well, it the
0: number, the number fits. nine is pretty good, right? Right. The, the, uh, do you recall when you became the director? Uh, let's say in the, in the management end of it, eighteen years ago, um, what the staffing level was with the DPW?
1: Well, I know when I when I first came on, we had a hundred guys. Uh, some was around there between everything that I'm responsible for: water, sewer, parks, all that. And right now. Uh, we have 37 to do everything so
0: that's, yeah I, uh, that's amazing when you think mm. how in some instances they've cut back that much so certainly at times uh, uh, it's it does make a difference in maintenance and road work and, and, and uh, the kinds of things that you you did when you were first started
1: yeah it definitely does like I said when I first when I first started we had a, a lot of a lot of guys here um, you know, and we did different things back then, too. So we do a lot more now with the construction and with doing... When I first started, we didn't do our own concrete sidewalks at all. We did potholes and we did trash. and But things have changed where uh, we do more with less like everyone else. And, uh, you know, we have 37 full-time DPW union employees for water, saw, parks, highway, garage, the whole shooting match. Traffic, so... um, you know, probably it's about a third of the workforce we once had, and I don't think people really realize what we do have down there. Sometimes I think they feel that we have a lot of a lot of guys, but uh, that's just not the case. Do you have women
0: also? You said guys. Do, do we have some women working we, in the We department? do. We
1: have the we have some women in the in the office. We don't have any any women currently on the uh, on the union side in the in the street, but we do have some women employees at the DPW. Yeah. yeah um, the um, you, it, it, I
0: was thinking, uh, and I, I alluded to this uh, maybe in the past once or twice, but back in the 70s, and that was at a time when Walter Kelleher was the mayor, there was a storm in February, and it was a bad one, Yeah, and it was a problem because it, 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 you may have had more people, but the equipment wasn't quite the same, and the, and the parking re- regulations weren't quite the same as they are currently, and uh, Within a matter of days, is a second storm, and so now uh, you get the city councilors who were aldermen at that time, perhaps, and they're getting the phone call. So, of course, the next meeting of the city council, he asked the mayor to come down, and he tried to explain the problems of the, of the storm size and the magnitude and the double hit that they got. And he says, this won't happen again for a long, long time, but we just have to deal with the double storm. And so that kind of gave the councils an out with the public calling them complaining about couldn't get down their street. Yeah. And within another few days, there was a third storm, and oh. I can remember being in the area down in Webster Street, and that snow was over the, the cars are actually buried uh, uh, to the roof with the amount of snow, and so people just left the car there because they there was, there was no you couldn't get on the street because of there was. was hardly enough to drive. Again, as I mentioned, there was more cars on the street because the enforcement system was different then. So when you mentioned double storms and it can raise that much more havoc.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't have the equipment to... when you get a storm like this one, to push it back far enough, which in some cases, you know, we don't. A pickup truck can only pile it so far. You'd like to think that you get to the curb, and that's the goal, but it doesn't happen in all places when you're in a tight neighborhood and you got a pickup truck plowing. I know even with my truck, that with this storm, the, the snow goes over the blade. So, um, you know, you do the best you can, but we don't have enough big equipment and loaders and stuff to push a, a back. To. If you get a back-to-back like this, you're, you're in trouble.
0: When when you get alerted to a storm pending like the one we just
1: had, uh, what's the strategy in terms of the, the s- staffing, planning for it? There's days and days of, in advance of, of, of planning, and, and there's days of, of cleanup afterwards. So a storm like this that that may only snow for 24 hours takes you know over a week of planning on the front end and the back end because once the snow stops, then we have cl- cleanup, and then we have sidewalks to work with, then we have crosswalks, and we got schools and parking lots. So most people see what's going on while the snow's flying, and uh, which is you know it, it's tough during the storm, but the, once you once it stops is when you got the real work to yeah, do. Yeah. Um, so there's days of advance notice, and make sure you have enough material, and you know uh, have the police and everybody, the schools on board, on what time it's going to start, and what the temperatures are of that day and what's going to be the temperatures to follow. Do we got to worry about now it turning to ice after, or is it going to be a warm-up? So the timing of the year, the timing of the storm, and what the temperatures are come into big, big-time play and, and the discussions with a storm of this size days before we're, we're planning on how to approach this.
0: Now, w- w- the street where I live, the, the plow came by even while it was snowing.
1: Yep. So is that a standard approach? We we do we have plows out there, but when it gets into the heat of the storm, where you're getting an inch to two inches an hour, you can't keep up. But you try to you know keep keep it going and keep a, a single lane open uh, for emergency apparatus. But uh, you know when it gets in the height of the storm and you're getting that much snow, you can make one pass down the street. By the time you get to the next street, that street's full. So uh, it's just a constant chip away. And then when it starts the diminish and the snow starts to die down then you really got your work on pushing it back and open up the streets
0: yeah you mentioned your staffing level now is 37 people yep and uh, th- that includes outside maintenance or, or that's, that's just
1: dpw union employees that's yes water saw traffic right. parks uh,
0: um. Do you have access to other people to back up that doing in, in situations like this from other city departments? So,
1: yes. Yeah, so that's a that's a great question because this particular storm, with being short and short contractors, I had uh, assistant of other city employees from other departments come out and actually plow with us. So I had Eric Rubin, which is the public facilities director. He was in charge of two wards, and we had his four, uh, four or five guys in trucks. I also had our Building Commissioner Nelson Miller. He was in charge of two wards, and he had a plow, you know, with a truck. So we're looking at different ways to supplement what we do have for services and utilizing um, other departments to help us on a storm of this side. So without them, um, you know, it was a great help. I also had. Jimmy Cahill from the cemetery, a few of his employees out there helping out with the snow. So we kind of got some uh, support from other departments, which definitely, you know, we couldn't do it alone. It definitely helped us out there on the street. But you have to furnish the equipment. They, they're just the manpower? They, no, we used even their equipment. So uh, in in uh, Eric Rubin's situation, he has trucks with plows. Oh, he does. And we utilize them. And same thing with Jimmy Cahill. But, Nelson Miller, we we took a pickup truck from another department and put him in that, and so we, we you know we made it work. It gave, between the three other departments, it probably gave me another ten pieces of equipment on the street, which certainly helps out. Yeah, I
0: um, hopefully this is not going to be a problem, but I was talking to someone recently who lives in another community. Yep, and uh, I don't know all of the details, but. the Apparently, not this particular storm, but a, a recent storm occurred, and um, the car uh, uh, was parked in, on the street, and it ended up being hit by a plow. And I, I was surprised. I, th- I, I thought that more likely would have been a, an outside contractor, but this, she seemed to sh- indicate that it was a city vehicle. So it was considerable amount of damage. So um, do you have often situations where there are claims of, Uh, submitted by people for damages whether it's a a private contractor or a city vehicle causes damage
1: yeah i mean especially a a size a storm of this size you definitely get claims um you know fortunately this particular storm here nobody was injured we did have one vehicle of ours an accident where we slid into a car did minor damage and as of right now there was one other report that i had that one of our sidewalk plows pushed the snow and um Bent uh, one of the plastic pe- fences, so uh, you know it happens. Uh, fortunately enough, there was nothing major, um, but it's kind of expected with a storm like this. You're going to get some kind of uh, claims, but uh, fortunately, it wasn't. It wasn't anything major. You
0: mentioned sidewalks. Do you, do you plow sidewalks?
1: So uh, we do around our property, around the, the city property, uh, like a park or anything that's owned by the city. But the sidewalks around abutting uh, homeowners or businesses are their responsibility, not the DPWs. We would never have enough resources to do that. How about downtown? So downtown, the store owners are responsible for doing in front of their their buildings. Um, Years ago, we used to have a truck, a a Bobcat uh, designated just for the square area. But, I mean... uh, you know there's maybe had a hundred people we had a lot more a <laughs> lot more equipment and resources and we utilize those p- pieces now on the street um so you know it's kind of uh you take care of your own sidewalk it's theres other the
0: people pretty good doing that in the in the
1: in the neighborhoods uh, i think guess like anything else there's some that are good and some that that are yeah. not um some of them have legitimate reasons uh you know whether it's elderly or uh, you know there's different reasons, but we try to work with those people. But, uh, you know, there's some absentee land laws w- which become a problem where they live in Tewksbury and they're renting out a two or three family here and, and they don't know or uh, they don't care to know what's going on over there. So it, it's a variety of uh, circumstances that you deal with. Some are good, some are not.
0: Yeah, and you have language barriers, I would think, as well. Yeah, occasion. absolutely.
1: Yeah. I Fortunately for me, I don't handle the... Uh, the sidewalk compliance, that comes under Chris Webb. His department does that. If someone doesn't shovel, so um, you know we get the calls. We refer it to him, and he has some staff that speak different languages as well. So I'm sure that helps him. But um, you know, we just hope that everyone does their part. It makes everything everything a little bit smoother, a little bit easier, because then you got the aftermath where you got kids that are walking to school and they got a nice clear sidewalk, and they get to the next house and it's. Got you know four feet of snow, so um, you know we want everyone to be safe and everyone to, to do what they what they need to do, do their share, and it makes it better for everybody.
0: Yeah, speaking of schools, um, I, I had a, re- a reason this morning, as a matter of fact, to go across the city for an appointment, and uh, the traffic, it seems to me, recently, uh, even in the good weather, has picked up in Malden on Eastern Avenue, on on the on the main streets. Uh, and I know even my own, your own experience over the years. In more recent years, Medford Street in the morning is tough. You get off a ferry st- off of main street, and you, if you're heading towards the Fellsway it's stop and go all the way. But uh, as it turns out, this morning I was I was jammed up, and uh, in, when I finally got, I think I was trying to find shortcuts, and everywhere, everywhere I went it was worse than where I left. But anyway, I ended up over near the BB uh, B. B. School, and that was really clogged. But Uh, Have they delayed the start time for schools Because that was after 8 o'clock. I thought uh, they were just allowing... I
1: I think the day after the storm, maybe they held it back another 15-minute grace period, but I don't think anything's changed as far as that goes. I mean, and, you know, that that probably hour-and-a-half window where people drop off for school and are going to work, you know, like anywhere else, it can be congested there can be some tight, tight areas. And then during the day, more people are probably back to work now. Um, So then during the day it kind of frees up a little. Then you got the pickup time. So um, I don't think we're any different when it comes to that than anyone else around the schools because there's always going to be that extra amount of vehicles with pickup and drop-off.
0: What are the kind of things that, uh, that people do or don't do that makes your job more difficult when you have storms like you have today? Well, District. always
1: like I say, the uh the the parking restrictions, if you don't follow the parking regulations, that makes it more difficult to uh handle because you're going down a street where you have a twenty six thousand G V W assigned to and if everybody follows the rules and you you have one side parking only, let's say, um, we'd get by no problem. We get there and the cars double parked and we can't get by and now we gotta call for a smaller truck to come in there and we gotta get out of there, or back out of there. That's a a delay. The other thing is, after the storm is over and we've cleaned the street and the snow has stopped and we're in pretty good shape and we're still widening the streets, people come home from work or uh, come out of the house after the snow and they've been home all day, they clean their vehicles off and instead of putting it to the side, they throw it back in the street. So a street that was once cleaned has now you can see where the cars have been cleaned off. Or their driveways, they snow blow it from the the snow from the driveway to open the driveway back into the street so we gotta go back and plow them all over again so those are some things that are done you know that people probably just aren't aware don't think of the uh... You know, the consequences of it and we have to go back and double and triple our, our work efforts to make the street passable i know you have a tough job building the storms, but when the cars get towed do they call you or do they call somebody else if they call me i direct them in the right direction so i don't <laughs> deal with that part of it um, you know, I don't tow them, I don't with that we have a parking department that handles that with the Marlin police and a combination of their efforts, they handle the towing. So if somebody calls us we just point them in that direction for any questions. Yeah.
0: Do you have many, many instances once the storm settles and people clear out a parking, let's say in in the in the front of their property, next thing you know they got a chair there or they got a country? We do we yeah. do,
1: yeah. There's no space savers in the city of Marlin. We don't allow it, although I can understand why people would want to do that. Um, I've dealt with it this past on myself. I cleared a spot over on my street in front of my house, and I left to get coffee, and I come back, and there was a car there, and I, now I had nowhere to park. So, But I, at the end of the day, I mean, we don't own the streets. They be, they belong to the, to the people, and, uh, you know, some people...
0: take it personal (laughs) take it personal but it
1: you know it's uh it's kind of like first come first but some people are great they clear their spot and you do see space savers for a little while after out there and we'll we try to remove them but i do understand where people are coming from in that situation
0: yeah um one factor uh, we were talking about this serious sense of storms is there some measurement that you factor in the, the the budget cost of a particular storm to make a determination. Well, that was a bad one, and uh, it could be you could spend a lot of money, and the storm might not be as severe as the one that
1: we just had. Uh, we we do do a cost after the storm um, of what what we spend, and we do a report on materials, manpower, overtime, labor, contractors, schools. We have it all broken down, and there will be a total. Cost for each storm, whether it be a 2-inch or a 20-inch, there's a there's a report that goes with it. But, I mean, depending on what you're dealing with, numbers can can change. I mean, it's not a perfect science. But, uh, you know, salt is very expensive. It went up to year about $10 a ton. We're over $60 now for a ton of salt. Um, so on a storm like this uh, situation, um, the final numbers aren't in yet, but we did about 1200 Tons of salt, so figure 1,200 tons at 60 bucks a piece. You know, pretty substantial amount of salt. Uh, but you can go through 700 tons of salt on a two-inch. But if it's cold to follow, and you got a lot of ice and for days, so it it varies. But we do do a cost for every storm that we do, uh, so we get an idea of a total of what we spend at the end of the winter. Yeah.
0: When you start the budget, do you call how much you had budgeted for for? Uh, Overtime, or, or do you catalog it as a overtime, or a winter is a different accounts?
1: No, so winter's the only only line item that you can run in the red. We start out we start out with two hundred thousand dollars for winter. Again, it's tough to tell whether you're gonna have a good winter or a bad winter. The two hundred thousand basically gets us started with loading up our salt for the season, and then depending on the winter, like two thousand fifteen, I think we spent over two million dollars on. On uh, that winter, but some city and towns around us spent seven, eight million. So, um, you know, it varies on. Only God knows on the winter what yeah. we're going to get. You know.
0: I, uh, w- w- what would you estimate a storm like? Uh, the numbers, approximately, might come in for this past storm. Uh,
1: it, again, it's not final. I don't yeah. have them all in yet, but it, it's it's going to be over two hundred thousand for this yeah, storm well, between salt and manpower in schools and everything combined it's 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 a it's a $200,000 norm. Yeah. Uh the um
0: the interesting item that uh, Bob just alluded to was about the uh the your budget versus the amount that you spend. It can be dramatically changed from year to year. I think last year was a relatively mild winter.
1: Yeah. Yep, I don't think last year maybe we only spent about a half a million bucks.
0: Yeah, and uh but uh, communities, have the one, that's the one item with communities that should they go over budget, and it could be a serious number w- when you have a bad winter, that you can amortize that cost, not out of the current mo- money by making it up, by taking it from o- other sources, but you can amortize it by spreading it out over Multiple some years. future years. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: uh, which we did in 2015, I think that was a three year. Yeah. Uh, amit- you know, amortizing it. So um, it's it, really you
0: know, the only thing, only way, in the government can do that. You're supposed to pay all your bills by the end of yeah, June. Yeah, that's
1: the one line item that you get a little bit of flexibility yeah. to because yeah. depending on what you're going to get, you know, yeah. it's tough, tough to prepare for uh, money, monetarily wise, for the yeah. winter because you yeah. don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, do you have openings now for, or vacancies in, in positions in your department? I have one vacancy. I just hired in the last three or four months. We just hired six new employees, so I have six new employees in the in the two in the highway and four in the water department. Um, so I still have one vacancy to fill. Um, so we have some new guys here that are just learning, and it will take a while to get them educated on snow and different things. But we we're grateful that we have been able to fill some of these positions.
0: Yeah, the. Um uh, the interesting thing, I think, too, is that uh, you hear so much in this day and age about how people quit jobs uh, uh, unexpectedly sometimes, and sometimes career jobs, all of a sudden the people, for different reasons, is they get the notice that they're leaving and they go, they're either going somewhere else or they maybe
1: going to business for themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you have much of a turnover? We do. We do now. um, You know, right now there's a lot of jobs out there. If somebody's not working, it's because they're not trying. There's plenty of jobs out there. You can drive down any any street, and everybody's hiring. So, there are some people. It's different from when I came here 28 years ago, where people came to the city for a job, and you know we're going to be here forever and get a pension, and you know put their years in. So now a lot of people come here and get some education on. You know, backhoe license and contract license and all these things, and then they go out to the private sector and go to work for a contractor. So we do have a lot of turnaround because there's a lot of other opportunities for people um, once they get a little bit of knowledge. Uh,
0: one one thing, perhaps, is is a, a public service, um, and, and uh, I've mentioned this as a ref- a couple of times regarding an appointment, like with the post office. That's a uh, f- in some ways a pretty good job if you're y- younger and, and don't and you want to work outdoors and you want to uh, interact with people there's some p- pluses to that job you don't have in other positions that you might be con- have worked in or considered and so maybe anybody that's out there that maybe ch- um, that's old enough to qualify I guess to 18 or 21 is the age you'd be considered. Yeah
1: somewhere around there yeah.
0: Probably a lot of the ones you do hire uh, ha- or have been hired are older than that uh,
1: uh, yeah that's a tough job working out in the in the, ele- in the elements as you get yeah, up yeah, there in age. Okay, yeah. Um but again it's an, it's another good job that years ago people came to be a mailman and stayed there f- made a career out of it.
0: Yeah. Um if someone were interested in or inquiring about a position not maybe that's immediately opening currently but if uh, thinking about it maybe as an option for them to at some later they would they use the HR uh, department with the city, city? You can go to,
1: H, go to HR. We, we post the jobs now. It's different than it was years ago where there was like an ongoing list. We don't have that in, that anymore. So HR would post a job either online or whatever. But if anyone's looking for information on how they could obtain a job with the DPW and what we really do, um, they can always send me an email to rnox at or call me down the office. I'd be more than happy to speak to people. Sometimes the best employees turn out to be someone that you get from a reference uh, and they didn't really know what we, what we do down there. And then they say, oh, I might want to try that. And so we have some long-term um, employees that have been here 20, you know, as long as I have. And then we have some, a lot of uh, new generation employees down there that are yeah. just learning.
0: But the newer ones more be more likely that if they were there a relatively short time or not a, they decided not to make a career, they're the ones that probably exit out rather than the older ones, are they? Yeah,
1: yeah. The ones that are here that have been here the twenty plus years, they're they're likely not going to at this stage of the yeah. game to another place. A lot of the newer ones that come in, those are the ones that will come in with, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of knowledge and get to learn how to do concrete and how to plow and get their backhoe license and then. It increases their, um, you know, resume. That's it. That's yeah. it. And so they, they, you know, they'll leave to go to a job for national grid making more money, or a private contract, or open up their own business. So there's plenty of opportunities out there, and there's a place for everybody. I think it's just a matter of what you put in is you, is what you get out. Yeah. Um, so it, it's been a good a good career for me. I mean, I've been here a long time. Um, you know, when I came here, I mean, I, you know, I. I remember my father telling me that you're never going to get rich here, but you're going to get a steady paycheck, and you're going to get plenty of opportunities for advancement. And, again, what you put in is what you'll get out. And I started here. I was hired when you were the mayor, and I started here as a MEO laborer. I think it was $11 an hour back at the time and got some knowledge, worked my way up, and now I'm the director of the department 28 years later. So it's definitely uh, And you're $14 an hour. Maybe fourteen fifty, <laughs> not much more, but, again, I think my father was right in saying. Oh, say, to minimum 50, right? <laughs> yeah, I think my father was right in saying you're not going to get rich, but. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. But incidentally, for, you know, and I, I seriously, uh, 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 the thing that used to attract people to positions with, 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 in the private sector there's a there's an element of uncertainty sometimes depending on your, where you're working and, and the economy or the competition of the company that you're working with. But uh, as Bob indicated, that um, years gone by, the security working for a community was something that was attractive, and uh, part of the reason it was twofold. One is that you'd, you'd probably be able to stay for as long as you needed to work. Secondly, you'd get good benefits, and even if you didn't, uh, make the highest amount of money that was out there uh, that maybe has an option elsewhere. You did get uh, retirement benefits, which would be attractive, and those other sometimes the, the medical insurance that's important even today would be still be available after you retire, which isn't necessarily the case with with other other people in the private sector.
1: Right. Yeah. The, that that was definitely years years ago. That was the thing that attracted people. To to these jobs was the security. Yeah, was you know I was 23 years old and uh, I remember my father said to me, "He goes, you're not going to worry or, or care about medical insurance now. Uh, you're not going to care about the pension now, but at the end of the road, it's a very important thing." And uh, you know that still we still offer a competitive uh, benefit package here. Um, it's changed since I started. Like everything else, um, but it's you know it's still there's a pension and and not many places you can close the door at the end of the day and get a get a pension you have to put away and you have to do 401 ks and all kinds of different things so there's uh there's definitely a plus to to be in here at the city of Malvin or any other community job
0: and I'm one of the beneficiaries of the system that's right that's <laughs> right absolutely, not, but uh, not by design <laughs> but it's just circumstances but um, the uh the, the, the rubbish pickup now, getting your data in, in, uh, uh, in a storm—that w- really kind of complicates everybody's life, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, fortunately for this for this one here, it was on the weekend, so there was no pickup on the weekend. So we, were, you know, we we were ready for them for Monday to to pick up the resume. But if this were to happen. On a midweek storm, you know, we would probably be – well, no, we would be canceling the next day's pickup because there's no way that they would be able to get out and get around to do their job. And the cleanup for a storm like this takes days.
0: But that's a private contract. Private, yeah, Yeah, JRM
1: is the private hauler for trash and recycling. And, uh, again, it all comes down to timing what time, when, what day it comes in on how you manage through the whole storm. And that's something that you have to think about, not just the snow when it's flying. What are you going to do about school? What are you going to do about a parking lot? What are you going to do about trash? Those are all things that go hand-in-hand with storm preparation.
0: Yeah. Do do you have some limit on how long people can stay working when there's a storm? Because, like you just uh, alluded to, it was this weekend – but it could be t- 3 o'clock in the afternoon uh, and to go into the into the night. And they're, they're normally they're off 4 or 5 o'clock at night the, on the regular shift, so they don't get off. And how long can in they work it, without it, getting it, a break or getting well, time off?
1: we give them a break. We feed, we feed them. I mean, you know, as the heavy snows coming on, you really can't see. It, it does take a lot of managing to uh, make sure that the guys get some rest in between. So I, I have some employees that this particular storm – over the weekend worked 40-something hours overtime. I have some other ones that maybe worked 18. So you got to kind of, it's a juggling match. You know, you put one, say, to keep one group on till 1 o'clock and send the other group home to sleep for 7, 8 hours, and then you bring them back 7, 8 hours later. So at points during the storm, you don't have all your staff there. You have to give them some time to recuperate and to get some rest. Even though... They get the rest. It does take time to to you know get uh, recharge the battery. recharge the battery, especially the older you get. The things that I used to stay up, be able to stay up for days, and now I notice myself that you do a couple of overnighters, your body don't feel the same. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Actually, I was thinking that the, uh, you mentioned, uh, do, do you have one location where the people can get a, get a meal in between their ships or during their ships?
1: We, we, well, this storm, there wasn't a lot open, but we scheduled the day before the storm, I scheduled a supper. For the staff at five o'clock on Saturday, um, with Anthony's in Malden, where he, he uh, ma- well, I, they
0: used to do that, so I, I just didn't want to plug
1: him. And, yeah, he would, no, he did a great He came. He came in and he did a great job. They had salad and they had, uh, um, and the bar chip. was called closed, of course. The bar was closed. You can get a soda, you can get a coke or a Sprite or something, but uh, yeah, he put out a nice buffet for the, for the men and the women of the department, and it was thank god we did because. A lot of places closed Saturday for the day. You couldn't go to a sub shop or pizza shop. Yeah. They were all closed. So fortunately, that was the only place in yeah. town other than if you wanted to go to, like, a convenience store to get a snack or something. But that was a, it. Was good. They got a hot meal, and uh, it was plenty of parking down there, and it worked out well for us. As a matter of fact, he's done that for quite a while. Though. Yeah, we've done different things. He um, Albert has definitely, uh, through the years, done that a lot. Um, and again, depending on the storm and different things, we've also had... Uh, different places where we'll buy pizzas and calzones and get those delivered because, you know, we found that it's it's more, you know, it's beneficial to get everybody off the road to get a break. And if we can get them back to have something to eat, you can also regroup and talk to them and maybe move pieces around and stuff. So we get them all together and have something to eat, and uh, it, it works out well. Yep. Albert does a good job.
0: Yeah, I, um, A city like Boston would obviously have a larger, much larger maintenance and and, and, and personnel uh, department, and of course so we even have a lot more equipment and, di- and more, maybe even more sophisticated equipment, but I was watching the television last night on the early news, and they were interviewing somebody in a neighborhood where they were still not plowed, and so I don't
1: think we had much of that at Malden because people would
0: call up and you get they some do. of that.
1: Oh, they call for days. They call and they, they like I said, they do see, click, fix, and um, but, again, it's not that I don't think anyone's not plowed. I think some of it is to do with a tight neighborhood, small courtways. After the storm's over, we'll get the courtway calls. You know, cars blocking it where we couldn't get in the court private way. And so we, you know, we take them one at a time. We, we, you know, address each call as it comes in. And, you know, for days we're we'll, we'll chase them around and we'll, we'll, you know, we don't stop. It doesn't stop the day after the snow Falls, you're continuing to clean up and move things around um, yeah. <laughs> to try to address every situation. Yeah. Uh,
0: um, other than the neighbors calling, it would, like uh, I would have thought, maybe put sometimes when the and Hospital is active, you'd have situations where they'd have problems on an emergency calls. They'd almost need you to come down and get well, let me get the ambulance in there or the fire department would have a problem.
1: Yeah, we try to. One thing that we we try to judge the storm by on uh, is uh, exactly that because we're out there trying to open up a street during the storm for emergency apparatus, as I said earlier, and and I kind of judge it on how many calls that I get from the police or the fire or ambulance that they couldn't get to a call. And fortunately, you know, even during the height of the storm, you know, we didn't get too many calls. We had one call of an ambulance that got stuck on Eastern Avenue by across from the police station, and, you know, that was the only call that we got for emergency apparatus, but, uh, the, you know, the police and the fire department seemed to move around Uh, sufficiently, and then we continue to make the situation better as the snow stops and and open things up even further.
0: Uh, uh, The the storm has passed us, and what's coming is maybe not... uh, and maybe helped a little because you indicate that part of the forecast is rain so that maybe that'll help get rid of some what's already there.
1: Yeah, the, with the temperatures you know today and tomorrow with some rain now again you got to look at the other piece that if we do get the temperatures and the rain we could deal with some flooding. Yeah. So it, it's a continuous um, battle that you you know you got to weigh everything out and that for, fortunately that comes with experience because uh, you know we talk to the other city and towns and and kind of See what, how what they're doing and you know what we're doing and so, but each situation is different. Yeah. E- e- each way you attack it is different, depending on t- weighing all of the the information that you get and making a game plan. Yeah. And fortunately, uh, you know we'll continue to battle it, no matter if it's two inches or twenty inches. We're not folding the tent here. We're going out at it hard. Yeah.
0: When you when you uh, recruit uh, outside contractors to plow. Um, and you're competing with Melrose or Medford or wherever. Or wherever uh, is it pretty much a standard rate that
1: they're paid, or is each community f- pay their own cost? No, every, each community makes their own cost depending on the piece of equipment. Some things you're higher than Medford, and Medford's higher than you. You know, you make your own rates. You determine what your insurance is that you know for what they need for insurance for their uh, pieces of equipment. So we try to you know get as much information and be. You know, competitive with other city and towns, really. Uh, this particular summer, I've I seen some things where, because of such a shortage of contractors, where some cities you know raise the cost they're paying on the spot to try to get some new um, new employees, new contractors. it's uh, you know it's not easy. It definitely is costly for a contractor to pay an employee to drive all those hours and if there's any damages and, and the insurance that you need to drive. So people think that they make a lot of money, and it may seem like that on the outskirts, but to, to put a person in a truck with the ins- proper insurance and, and the uh, gas or the diesel cost and at the end of the day what they put in their pocket, depending on if they don't hit something or is isn't any damages, isn't a heck of a lot of money. So it uh, it's not as lucrative as some people may think. Uh, the, um
0: uh i was thinking back someone i know years ago got uh, um didn't live in Malden but uh, but anyway he got he got up, put on the city as a as a, a you know a driver for the uh, he had a plow he had a yeah. business that needed a a truck so he had a plow and he had the so we he, he didn't have a plow initially but he bought the plow and he got called by the city cuz one of those storms he was on the list and they needed help he, he went out in the first Four hours, he hit the blade against some kind of a, a, a obstacle in the road, and, and the blade got damaged so extensively. So here, he had, I think he had paid fifteen hundred dollars for the for the blade, and all of a sudden the blade wasn't operating. And so temporarily, he was uh, he was out of business. Even though he started off thinking that this is a great job to have yeah. at, at two o'clock in the morning, and I can I can plow all night, and I can. Take it easy the next day, and I can plow the next day too if I need to. But it turns out he didn't plow that long.
1: Yeah, I mean if you look at it if you look at you know rough and tough numbers, let's say a pickup truck gets a hundred dollars an hour. They do a ten hour storm, they make a thousand bucks. They're not putting a thousand bucks in their pocket. They got to pay a guy twenty five thirty dollars an hour to drive the drive the truck. So that's three hundred out of your thousand right there. Then you're talking fuel costs for a ten hour storm. So that might be another hundred bucks there. And then, God forbid, if they hit something with the blade, or they, you know, a cutting edge is two hundred and fifty dollars. So, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's kind of a roll in the dice. Yeah. You can make some money if you get multiple storms, um, but it also can, you know, can cost you. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then you got to factor in the cost for the additional insurance to plow snow. So, um, you know, this years ago there was a lot of contractors. That number has definitely changed over the recent years. Yeah.
0: And, and the reason why there's a shortage now of of, of, uh, of people available to be brought in as contractors is is it because of the coronavirus or is there
1: other factors that
0: have reason?
1: I think there's three factors three three current factors, one being the coronavirus is is one of the factors. I think the second factor is the uh, st- the people that used to plow years ago, we've had some big companies that have plowed for us for years. You know the older generation, I say older, I mean even myself has been doing it for a long time. those people, as they retire or move on or whatever, the younger generation isn't isn't looking to be out there for 20, 30 hours plowing snow. So I think a part of it is that and and the other part is uh availability and cost, so it co- it costs you to put a truck out there and it, and it's not a lot of money in, at the end of the day. so it, I think it's a variety of things. That make the decision uh, on do I want to do this or do I not want to do this, and uh, you know again you got to be able to get staff to cover for those hours. You don't want to put someone in that truck that's going to go out the first hour and bang it up and cost you money. So uh, it's tough. It's very difficult. You know, each year it gets worse to find contractors.
0: Oof. So, this isn't something, a new trend. This is something that's been building up
1: in recent years? Yeah, in recent years, it definitely has changed. We used to have a lot of contractors that want and always get the calls. Oh, I mean, this year, worse than ever as far as the amount of contractors out there. You could see it before the winter. You're driving down any highway, they got the digital signboards, look of a plowing contractors, the state, every city in town. This year, worse than others, and and coronavirus is definitely a contributor to that. But, uh, the trend isn't is going in that direction, um, you know. People people change on what they want to do, and I think the younger generation, unfortunately, doesn't want to be out there in a the truck for twenty thirty hours plowing snow. Um, the older generation that's been here, like doing this for a long time, get to a point where th- they've had enough, and uh, you know, some good contractors we've lost through the years because of staffing and different reasons.
0: Now. Um we've been spending a lot of time because it's so current this the storm but the, you mentioned some of the other things is the uh, sidewalk work the city workers do and 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 other kinds of things that have obviously uh beyond just a te- temporary need in the winter time for 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 employment you have people that uh, you have parks to maintain you have yeah. streets to maintain water
1: so we do we, we have a lot of responsibility and uh you know, I'm, I'm proud of the staff that we do have, and new and old, and we couldn't do it without the guys that have been here for a long time that have the knowledge, and hopefully the, the new generation that comes in, because I won't be here forever, will uh, be able to get educated and continue to move Marvin forward with doing the uh, jobs and the responsibilities that we have down here at the DPW. I know a lot of people don't realize things that we do, and, and some do realize it, but um we do a lot of a lot of work and a lot of your quality of life needs. Whether it's something as minute as t- a trash pickup, to plowing snow and a water main break, with you know we're working every day to make Marlin a better place.
0: Yeah. Now your your um, your worksite location
1: is is a Commercial Street, three fifty six Commercial Street. Now
0: is there some plans to
1: eventually vacate that, go elsewhere, or is that an option that's been under consideration? Uh, I've been hearing that for twenty eight years now that there's they've been looking into and in, you know different study towns.
0: group for twenty eight it, it's <laughs> changed. there's been there's
1: been there's been different development in places that we've looked at to moving. Um, so I you know there's always that discussion. I hope someday that that happens, but nothing firm that I know of of any locations at this time. Yeah. Now you
0: so you have some people for for regions related to the, to the rubbish or other, other kinds of things that can go there and do and, and leave uh, products or waste or whatever down there. It's kind of a, uh, a, a thing where people call and they say, gee, I got these paint cans can they bring yeah. them down
1: there? We do have twice a year we have recycling there where you can bring down items like paint cans. Um, you know there's different recycling materials that you can bring down the yard. Yard waste. You can bring down your plastics, you know, and all that uh, stuff. But twice a year, we have a recycling day where you can take paint and hazardous materials to the yard at a at a cost.
0: And the leaves and and, and that sort of things. Uh, those are those are done seasonally.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, leaves leaves. Uh, we're allowed twelve weeks per contract for curbside pickup. We always add additional weeks. So usually starting around the 1st of April to the 1st. Fir- excuse me, is that twice a year, the 12 weeks you split it up? 12 weeks we have in the country throughout the year. So we can schedule it any way we want. We we normally do from the beginning of April to December every other week on your trash day, which would be more than 12 weeks, and then we pay for the additional weeks. Um, so, But you can always drop off your leaves at the yard year-round, Monday through Friday, From eight to four, or Saturdays from eight to noon. That could be year round, but we do do curbside. Usually around eighteen weeks a year, we we pay for the extra weeks. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, And now the city's also started this past year implementing a new rubbish system in terms of pickup. Maybe we can uh, talk a little bit about that and see. I I just wonder how
1: it's going. yeah, it's, def- it's definitely better than just the bags. It, it gives people an option. You can continue to use the bags, the blue bags. Uh, you got a barrel with a cover for trash and for recycling. You can mix your plastics with your papers co-mingled for the recycling. Um, and if you want to still use the blue bags, you can do that. Or you can buy a trash sticker once a year that goes on the barrel, and you just put the your regular household bags in the barrel, the sticker is seventy-five dollars, and that covers you for the barrel for the year. Um, so it gives you an option. You, if you like the bags, you can continue to use the bags. If you don't like the bags, you can buy the sticker of a seventy-five dollars and fill up your barrel um, that we give you, uh, you know, for Trash Day. But on the trash, you still have to use the blue barrels, blue bags in the trash, don't you? You don't. No, you have the option. So if you want to buy the sticker. For the barrel, which is $75, you could put regular, you know, kitchen white bags in there. Oh, I see. Once you have the sticker. If you decide you don't want to buy the sticker, you then would need to put the blue city bags in there. It's up to, it gives you an option. Right. So
0: maybe for the people that are uh, are frugal, um, one guideline might be that if you have at least one blue, uh, one bag equivalent to a blue bag a week, uh, thereabouts certainly it pays you to pay the sicker price and get the whole year than it is to keep buying blue bags, and it's, it saves you the time remembering to get them at the uh, yeah. supermarket. Because the there's, there's less people, less stores to have those bags available, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, usually the biggest stores, Superstop and Shop and Walgreens, but uh, yeah, so if you look at it that way, if you're someone that puts out one bag of trash a week, A $2 bag, it's $104 a year for your one blue bag. Whereas if you buy the sticker, it's $75. And it's convenient. And and you don't have to chase the bags around to buy them. You just buy the sticker once once a year, and you put your regular trash bags in the barrel. So it depends on, you know, if you've got a family of five and you're putting out four bags a week, that's not going to help you. But the normal person that puts out a bag or two, um, you know, you have the option. Whatever works best for you and your family
0: the the um if, so but if people um, is is it the ones that w- when it was started last year that t- when they bought the uh, uh, the stickers for last year it, are they sh- all come
1: due January first or, or or for ja- the renewal yeah january first you'd have to buy a new sticker Uh, We did do a grace period where we have the vendor pick them up until people got their sticker, so we gave them a two-week grace period, but each January you would need to either re-up and buy the sticker, uh, the new sticker for that year, and the color of the sticker changes so they know the first year they were yellow and now they're red and who knows, maybe next year they'll be blue, but um, we did give a grace period, but every January you would need to either re-up or... Change your way of uh, removing the the waste. Yeah.
0: So if if someone came to the city, uh, let's say recently, yep, not knowing the system, um, in a, in let's say in April f- they just found out about it or they or they decided to get the uh, sticker s- sticker, they would they prorate that? It's a prorated, yeah. Rated? <laughs> okay. that, that's
1: done through the treasurer. Yeah.
0: So uh, yeah, it's a prorated. Yeah. So that's so that's very fair, and very reasonable. I won't ask if they move out of the city until they get a refund.
1: I don't think they do on that. They don't. No. Okay, that's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you get them, but how is the
1: system working? Yeah, it's definitely. It the thing that I like about it is, is it it serves everybody. You yeah. have a choice on what works best for you. And again, what works for me may not work for you, um, so it gives you it gives you an option. I do think that with the with the covered barrels, it definitely keeps the city. Cleaner because everything's in a barrel, um, so in, in in the long run, you know, there's some there's some pros and some cons. People talk about a smaller barrel and different things, but overall, I think it's been pretty successful.
0: Yeah, there was such a, a lingering controversy with the blue bags when they first implemented that system. Yeah, and I I I think for the most part, it, uh, it, it, there's not as much. I know there isn't as much. Uh, Outcry against it because when you think about it, right. the people ran out of energy, or they just decided that maybe it's not such a bad system, or um, they moved to a suburbs away from Baltimore. <laughs> but the uh, <laughs> did you get much uh, public response on the barrel system implemented in the, this past year? No, nothing, nothing I, I like, like the page you throw. Uh, yeah.
1: There's always you're always in a city of this side. You're not going to please everybody. Sure, and everyone's got a solution. But I I think that this was. Um, the best situation under the circuses that yeah. we could that we could do. The only concerns that I really got to me on it was the size of the barrel. Um, you know, we want something bigger, or, you know, and then you had the other people that said, we, we don't want it bigger because we have nowhere to store it. So you're always going to have a yin and a yang, per se, or a, a everyone's different opinion. But overall, I don't think we've had much cry for uh, problems, with it, and I think it's been a a plus and a a benefit for the city going in this direction.
0: And actually, the the city spent a lot of money to buy the barrels to make them available to the public. They did, they did,
1: yeah. There definitely was a a cost up front, yep. um,
0: um, Do you have any idea in terms of the uh, maybe the mix between the people that are still doing the blue bags without the barrels and and the barrels? I, I would sense that maybe a lot of people would... Not think hard enough about it, and even though it would be beneficial, they might not do it.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the numbers are on how many do, how many have chosen to uh, purchase a sticker compared to the blue bags. But again, like I said earlier, it it gives you an option. Yeah. W- what you like, I may think differently, or, or what works for me may not work for you. So it gives you the option on on which which direction yeah. you want to go in. Yeah.
0: One thing I do is, in in terms of the system. Is that um, where they had the tubs that they used to u- utilize for the for the recycling? Um, Open face
1: totes, Yeah, Yeah,
0: and it it wound up that um, uh, the wind come along some of those days. A lot of that, you know, it would it would end up in the street and would end and would end up with the rubbish company, and it didn't go to the landfill. It didn't go to recycling. So. Anybody that's interested in the greening of America should have been supportive. It, yeah, sense.
1: that's a bonus. That's a bonus for sure. Uh, keeping the materials contained with a cover, compared to the 18-gallon recycling bin, where if it's a, they we used to call the term "snow cone," it you pile it up and the wind blows and it blows down the street. So, the covered uh, totes is definitely uh, cleaner and uh, better to keep the materials contained than those 18-gallon open-faced uh, bins. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, one other thing, maybe uh, before we close out, you're responsible for the park maintenance as well as all those other things that you talk about. Yeah. And and um, the the parks in themselves uh, have been improved upon over the recent years. So I mean, you you have the same, maybe more park maintenance to do when you have less people.
1: Yeah, there's six employees down the parks department, and we're responsible for cutting all the grass and maintaining the ball fields and lining them up for the school uh, events. So, um, and those and those six are also responsible for tree work in the city, trimming and everything So, it's a it's a lot, a lot of responsibility, and a lot of work to uh, to cover to uh, get the job done. And we uh, just you know continue to plug away and chip away at what we have to do.
0: Well, in any event, as we close out, all I can tell you is let us know, let us know, because <laughs> I'm not going to be outdoors. But I appreciate your coming, Bobby, and uh, keep up the good work. You're very informative, and I think overall, Marlin deserves a pat in the back, because I think they did an outstanding job in this job. And I'm, not, I'm not surprised, because they usually keep up with it, and they deal with it uh, in the way that... Uh, professionalizing your organization. I, I appreciate
1: yeah. it. Thanks for thanks yeah, for and, having me.
0: Yeah, delighted you're, you're here today. And if anybody has any
1: questions and any information, yeah, so that's yeah, the phone number. Yeah, you can reach out to me anytime seven eight one three nine seven seven one six zero or shoot me an email i at cityofmarlin.org. Pretty easy to find. I live here in the city, raise my children here, and they go to the schools here, so. You see me all over the place.
0: And if you call me, I'm going to send you down to his house. So uh, call him. (laughs) Wouldn't be the first time. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Ed. My appreciation again, Robert. All right.